With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, um, despite what I promised on Twitter, we're actually not going to have as big of an episode as I thought we were going to. Uh, unfortunately, a little bit of scheduling conflict made it a little difficult to do the recap with Mike like I was planning on doing for TCU. So what we're going to do, I'm just going to talk briefly about the game itself, um, and then we're going to save the bulk of that, and talking about the implications of it and a lot of that, for next week. Uh, we'll, we'll come back and talk about both the TCU game and then whatever happens in this Iowa State game, but... The big, the big feature of tonight's episode is going to be, um, you know, I talked with, with Levi Stevenson over at Wide Right Natty Light that covers the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, we had a really good conversation, lasted probably about twice as long as I, as I expected it to. So we'll have plenty of content for you guys. But, um, obviously the big news from the weekend was Kansas, um, beating TCU, uh, on a last minute turnover. Kansas kind of really has done what it's done all year long in terms of, the offense isn't necessarily looking that great outside of what Puka Williams brings to the offense, uh, and the defense has made some big plays in some spots. Um, this one, it actually mattered enough that they were able to get the win. Um, but you know, in terms of whether we whether we think this is going to continue, um, I don't I don't know that I, we can count on that continuing into the future weeks. Um, Iowa State's going to be a really big challenge. They may be able to get some good turnovers against Iowa State, but I am I am obviously kind of concerned that Iowa State's offense is going to be a little bit more potent. Um, you know, just kind of briefly running over stats from the game that we had. Um, Pook Williams had two receiving touchdowns. Uh, let me see what he had. We had Khalil Herbert had a running touchdown. That was it for the touchdowns for Kansas. So, um, you know, but they, they actually had a pretty good game. They had a lot of good defensive play. Um, they had, let's see, they only had one sack though. Five tackles for loss. So they, they definitely have some work to do on that to get a lot of consistent pressure. But he was just enough. TCU obviously was a very depleted team, so you can kind of take their their production with a grain of salt. Um, you know, not having um, Turpin and, and, you know, making the switch a quarterback, is regardless of how well they thought the new quarterback was going to be doing. Um, you know, so it's it's definitely not the most encouraging 
uh, sign from them, unless of course you you know really don't want Kansas winning anymore to make sure that Beatty doesn't come back next year. Um, I will. The one comment I will make about that obviously is that I don't think that this TCU win guarantees anything for David Beatty. I don't even think it necessarily puts him on track to keep his job. It does. It does prevent the final nail in the coffin from being put in for him. Um, so, you know, this, this at least keeps possible or keeps open the possibility that he might be able to do enough to come back. I think if they had lost this game, um, that pretty much does it. You know, if they, if they lose against Kansas state, um, if they honestly, if they, if they lose badly against Iowa state, um, you know, or, or I, cause I think everybody expects them to lose pretty badly against Texas and Oklahoma. Um, so, so really these next two weeks are the only chances he has, and he has to probably win both of these games, probably has to win the Kansas state game pretty handily for Kansas to really even have a shot of wanting to keep him. So, um, but we'll get more into that, what this game means, what Iowa state game is going to mean for that when I talk with Mike next week. So, um, instead I'm going to go ahead and get you guys over to the interview that I did with Levi. So enjoy. And I'm joined now by Levi Stevenson. He is uh, one of the main guys over at Wide Right Natty Light. Uh, that is the SB Nation site that covers the Iowa State Cyclones. Um, Levi, how how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, actually. I'm just I meant to obviously I meant to crack this up. I'm I'm enjoying a nice ice cold bush light here. Well, I, uh, I mean, I meant I'm... to crack it. I meant to crack it right when you introduced me, but I uh, I got antsy and I. I I opened it before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, you know, I mean, given the name of the site, it makes sense that you're having a beer while we're talking. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So, See, so maybe you'll get, maybe you'll get luckier than Philip Slavin from, uh, from 10, 12 and Cowboys drive free or whatever. Cause I think he's, I've had been on his podcast twice this year. And I think both times I love just this awful beer burp while we were talking. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, it sounds, yeah. sounds great. So, okay. <laughs> so, so let's go ahead and actually get, get started talking. Obviously we're here to talk about the Iowa state Kansas game that, that that's coming up. Um, yep. I mean this year, I think it's kind of been up and down for Iowa state. If I, if I remember correctly, I think I've seen some of what you guys are talking about. Beginning of the year, it seemed like nothing was really going going right. You guys lost three out, three out of your first four, I believe it was. Um, the offense wasn't really doing anything, and it seems like recently they kind of just switched, you know, flipped a switch and are playing really well. Um, I, I guess I want to ask you first about about the new quarterback, Purdy. Obviously, last year. Um, the quarterback you guys had came out of nowhere, but he's now the backup. Um, like, what has it been like breaking in a brand new quarterback like this? So, this actually happened. We actually had almost an identical situation happen last year. So the so basically last year we had Jacob Park coming in, who was playing the season before that, played extremely well, came in. Uh, you know, probably one of the most talented guys, quarterbacks that had ever showed up at Iowa State, extraordinarily talented guy. Came in, played well the first few games. Um, and then we got to the Texas game and he just wasn't there, had an awful, awful game. And then we found out later next, later the next week that he was actually just leaving the program entirely. Like that he was taking a long and extended leave of absence and all this. And they just ended up leaving it all together. Um, and when Jacob Park left, Kyle Kemp took over, beat Oklahoma. We all know how the story went from there. Right. So, um, then at the end of the season, uh, we, they actually, applied for and received a six year of eligibility for Kyle Kemp based, which is, it was based on kind of like the Tanner Lee rule, which is where he endured so many coaching changes that he just never really got a chance, never got a chance to play because he, he had to deal with a lot of different coaching changes at Oregon state and then at Hutchinson and never got a chance to play. 
or really even being even sniffed playing time. Um, so got the six year of eligibility. Everybody's super excited. Comes back. Um, then then this is where this is where the context kicks in for the one and three start because we were supposed to have an open weekend opening weekend game against South Dakota State uh, that was right. eventually canceled because of lightning uh, after the first after like the third play of the game. Yeah. On the on the second play of the game, Kyle Kemp threw a bubble screen to Deshante Jones, who then took a 57 yards for the touchdown. So we had already gone up seven nothing after the second play of the game, right. and then gets canceled. And then so that sucks. We lose a whole week of we we lose a, a week of game film, and essentially what happens is it. I mean, from there it basically sets your whole team back a week developmentally. So you do that and. Uh, you don't have any game field to review. Now you have to go to Kinnick and play Iowa, who is much to my chagrin, actually is a, a, a okay team this year. And they have a very, very good defensive line. Well, and to be now, honest, even if they're not that great this year, I mean, it is quite naturally your guy's biggest rival. So, sure. I mean, yeah. rivalry and, games, you can pretty much throw how good teams are out the window. That's always going to be a hard game. It's always going right. to be you know, a really weird game to deal with. So, Well, and the kicker with that game too is that, because Iowa has a very good offense, like a very good offense, or defensive line, I should say. Probably, honestly, it might be this, like the third best in the country outside of Clemson and Alabama. It actually may be the third best in the country. It's very good. Um, and they're all very, they're all veteran guys. And coming into the season, really the, for at least in the, in the Iowa State sphere, the last remaining question was the offensive line. We knew we had the quarterback, we had the running back, we have the receivers, we got the tight ends, we got all that. The offensive line was the question. And when you have an offensive line that's still trying to come together, and now you have to go up against what's probably the third best defensive line in the country after basically having not gotten to play a game, and they have gotten to play a game, it's a huge disadvantage, especially when you're playing at Kinnick. And it actually has ended up, you know, not playing that first game it became a bigger problem than I think most people thought it would. We thought like, well, it's going to suck against Iowa, but I think we can overcome it. And it became, well, this is bleeding over into a whole bunch of other games because now you're just, you're just a game behind everybody else. Right. And you figure things out late. Then, you know, in the first quarter of Iowa, Kyle Kemp goes down with a, with an MCL sprain. Zeb Nolan has to finish the game. Kyle Kemp's out for six weeks at least. Yeah. And uh, so there's, yeah, there's another kick to the nuts. And then we go, we go on Zeb plays pretty well for the rest of the game against Iowa, plays well against Akron. Um, then, we have to play, then we have to play Oklahoma in the third game of the season uh, in, the, in the Big 12 opener. And we're already a game behind. So Oklahoma's in their fourth game, we're in our third game, and we're down our starting quarterback. <laughs> he play, uh, Zeb Nolan plays pretty well. Um, not, not really too much to, to complain about anyways. And then uh, you, you just struggle from there a little bit. So then now we go – he had a bad game at TCU a few weeks ago, about a month ago now. Has a has a bad game against TCU, um, but the bad game plan just did nothing. Nothing went well against TCU. And then then for the Oklahoma State game, Zeb comes out for the first series, doesn't really go anywhere. Brock Purdy shows up in the second series and starts lighting the world on fire, and here we are. So two seasons in a row now, Iowa State has had to drop in a backup quarterback, and they've just killed it. Right yeah. out there, so it, which is which is not something many programs can say is where you can just drop in your second or third string quarterback and you don't miss a beat. And well, see, in our case, you've gotten better. 
Right. Like, it's, it's, again, it's it's happened two years in a row. Right. Um, you know, that's 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 gotten a lot of people talking about Matt Campbell as the yep. you know yep. as the very very strong <laughs> coaching candidate. Obviously, the I with know all where the, you're going with this. Well, I wasn't I wasn't planning on it until it just kind of happened. So we can go there. Um, I just, yeah, we're going to. <laughs> that's why I have beer. That's why I have yeah. beer. So obviously, there's been a lot of rumors kind of kind of jumping around um, that Matt Campbell may end up getting poached uh, for whether it's Ohio State if you know the the issues there end up with them firing Urban Meyer for whatever reason, or even if he finds some other place. I mean. Unfortunately, Kansas and, and Iowa State and some of the lower tier programs in the Big Twelve are often seen as stepping stone jobs for other programs. Um, are you are you worried about that being the case here, or has Matt Campbell given you <laughs> any kind of indication that that maybe he you know would want to stick around here for a while and actually build something? So, a couple of reasons actually. I, I, the latter is actually where he's given us a lot of indication that he's interested in sticking around. Um, so. Uh, Basically, as soon as he came, he was, you know, he was coach of Toledo before this, and, and Toledo played at Iowa State in 2014. They played a game at Iowa State earlier in the season, and he tells a story. He told the story at his introductory press conference, and he's told it a couple other times. Um, but as the story goes, basically, he came out. He was feeling antsy before the game, and which I don't know how you feel antsy when you have Kareem Hunt in your backfield, but you know, feeling antsy before the game. <laughs> and right. he's walking around, and he's walking around the Iowa State tailgate lots, and he sees all the fans there. You know, it, Toledo, you know, they're playing Toledo earlier in the season. Iowa State's not very good. Toledo's just Toledo, or whatever. No reason for there to be a bunch of fans there, but there's like you know, fifty-five thousand fans there. We're all tailgating, having a good time. We're at the Spear Walk, and apparently, and he was just so enamored with the whole thing. He actually called his wife after the game and said, "Like, listen, you would not believe this place." and basically told her right there in 2014 that if he ever got a chance to coach here, that he wanted to be here in Ames. And, well, that's good. <laughs> you know, as, as fate would have it, the next year we go play at Toledo and we lose to Toledo on a game, on a, on a, on a missed field goal by my podcast partner, Cole Netton. And, uh, and uh, after the, at the end of the season, Paul Rhodes gets canned after we blow a humongous lead to Kansas state, all this. And then, here we are. Cam- Matt Campbell is now the coach at Iowa State. He talks about, and he's always talked about how, like, one of the main reasons he wanted to come here was because of the fans. He came here because he was just so enamored by how loyal the fans were, even in the face of a terrible, terrible football team. And then he gets here, and when 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 Jamie Pollard starts recruiting Matt Campbell, he's good. He Jamie Pollard actually flew out to Matt Campbell's house out in Toledo, and actually. Uh, their their relationship like kicked off there like they're like best friends now because when basically when he showed up jimmy asked like matt to have him and his wife in the room matt by the i don't know if you know this not matt campbell doesn't have an agent he has his own agent he negotiates his own contracts which is extraordinarily unusual obviously for high profile people like that um so it tells you one that tells you the kind of guy that matt campbell is because you know anybody that's in for the money is not they don't negotiate their own contracts so He's in there. Jamie Pollard has this meeting with Matt with his wife in the living room. And from there, there's just a love affair between Matt Campbell and Jamie Pollard, the athletic director. Here we are. Matt Campbell is introduced and it's only, it's only gotten better from there. Matt Campbell's buyout actually in his new contract, his, his buyout is actually tied to Jamie Pollard being there. His buyout goes down if Jamie Pollard were to ever leave. 
Now, nobody's expecting Jamie Pollard to leave. He's right. We're pretty sure. We're pretty sure he's going to be buried at Iowa State. Um, the the guys just down there getting a statue too. But that's a different conversation. But um, you know, the whole time he's never given us any. He's he actually built a house in Ames. And I don't know if you know anything about building houses. You don't build houses someplace that you're expecting to leave pretty soon, right? Because it is a massive pain in the ass, <laughs> especially when you are a major college football coach that has plenty of other stuff to do. Right. I mean, it, it like, takes years to really a, do the proper planning and they get everything time, it takes done. A long time. And... It's really stressful. And it's, it's not something you want to put yourself through if you're planning on leaving. So, right. you know, you can read into that and say, well, he's got plenty of money. He can do what he wants. But, you know, that's just, it's just something, it's a little thing that tells you that he's, he was never planning on using this as a stepping stone. You know, like, cause like last year, after two years at Iowa State, you know, last year the Tennessee job came open and, Matt Cam- everyone's like, oh, Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell might go to Tennessee, Matt Campbell might go to Tennessee. Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee basically called this football office, I assume, and Matt Campbell basically told him to, you know, cash wire in your podcast, that thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Matt Campbell told him to fuck off. Like, he did not give them the time of day. Tennessee, Tennessee's a big-time recruiting ground, big-time program, blue blood, all this money. He didn't even give them the time of day. That tells you the kind of guy that Matt Campbell is. He doesn't even care. He doesn't care about the money. He said, I don't, you know, maybe this is just him saying it or whatever, but he actually said, he's actually been like quoted saying before, he doesn't actually know how much he makes. He just shows up and does his thing and he gets paid. <laughs> right. So, I mean, he, like, he doesn't care about the money. He didn't, like, he could have waited out for a better, you know, a quote unquote better job than Iowa State. You know, right. he could have he could have waited for a higher profile program, but he didn't because he wanted to be at Iowa State. He told his wife he wanted to be at Iowa State two years before he showed up. So now we're here, and every season it's like, oh, when's Matt Campbell leave? And Matt Campbell like these might leave. And I you know, I saw on Twitter that there was a some sports radio host down in Oklahoma was speculating that he was like it was a sure thing he was gone to USC after this season. Like what? Yeah. Why would he go? What on earth? At this, I mean, at this point, I'm not sure USC is that much better of a job at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, that, maybe that's me getting cocky, but I honestly genuinely believe that. It's not in that in much terms of where job. the football program is, in terms right. of the, like the the immediate outlook, exactly. yeah, I mean, they've yeah. they've obviously got a bigger donor base. They've got sure, a lot, no doubt, a lot no of doubt. advantages there, but yeah, I mean, but as far you as know, being successful right now, yeah, I would say it's probably the better job actually, and probably he's here he's got his family here, he's got all of his assistants that he's worked with all the time. I don't know if you know that either. When he when he came in, like all of these assistants that are at I would say right now, they were at Toledo with him, or they had coached with him at Bowling Green, or whatever. Like they were all guys that had worked with Matt Campbell before. Right. Like he didn't he didn't like get here and he's like, okay, well, let's let's figure out who might be good here. It was like I got my dudes, they're all coming. So they and they all followed him, like like the whole Toledo staff followed. Jason Candle even followed him until Jason Candle got offered the head coach, and I was because like, Jason Candle was going to be the offensive coordinator. And yeah. then he got offered the head coaching job at Toledo. Now he's killing at Toledo or whatever. So, you know, the whole staff followed him. He pulled Alex Golesh out of Illinois. He pulled and he had Louis Ianni. He had all these guys. They all followed. They all moved. The whole family's here. It's a huge, big family atmosphere. All the guy, all the coaches are like best friends. Stuff like that. It's, they're, they're really happy in Ames. So basically and, what it sounds like, it's, it's exactly what we were sold on down here at Kansas when we got a guy like David Beatty, someone who really wanted to be here, someone who really, right. you know, was really all in for the university right. and wanted to make this place home. You know, yeah. Obviously, the only difference being that Matt Campbell is actually a good coach and David Beatty isn't. So, 
I mean, Matt, Matt Campbell followed through is where we're at with it. Well, he, well, he is it's, following through. It's <laughs> not even that he followed through with those intentions. It's the fact that he's actually just a pretty damn good coach. Right. So yeah, that, no, yeah, no, no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, he's they're, they're recruiting at a higher level. I mean, each of the last three recruiting classes have been record classes as far as like rival, like like two four seven composite ratings. Oh They've been man. Record classes. The next one coming in as a record class. You know, that they, sounds so wonderful. Why can't we have that? <laughs> Honestly, well, we've been we've been waiting for it almost as long as you guys. Have. Actually, probably longer than you guys have because you were really good there for. A few well, years. I was gonna say we had man. We, actually, we pretty much had a glimpse of all of that with Mangino. You did, you did, um, and then, and, and uh, un- unfortunately, and then, you, know, you know, he he then, did a few things he probably Mangino shouldn't have. Happened. Well, I mean, he, he did a, a few things that were maybe a little bit overboard, and our AD overreacted because of the power struggle there, yep. and. All the rest is history. Like, I'm not saying that Mangino didn't have any problems and that he, you know, right. absolutely deserves to stay on staff. You know, if, if what he, if what the allegations were coming out were definitely true, like if they were, then he definitely probably deserved to move on at that point. But yeah. there's no, you know, it's, it's not the buddy buddy situation you guys have right there where obviously sure. Jamie, Jamie Pollard and Matt Campbell get along really well and everything. Yep. Um, unfortunately, I wish I could say that we had something like that to look forward to here, but who yeah. knows what's, what's going to happen. Well, you know, if if, so. man, if if Mark Mangino doesn't show up at Iowa State and completely torch the whole chemistry of the coaching staff, then maybe we're not here. Maybe we still have. Oh, that's yeah, true. Did a few years ago. I had, so, you know, inserting the Mangin bomb is like that ended up working pretty good for us actually. It ended, you know, it kind of came full circle. But yeah, the well, is the, for the yeah. longest for the longest winded ever answer to the second part of your question, <laughs> as far as <laughs> as far as what what we're. You know, this season we're going to hear it more. We're going to hear we're going to hear every just like TCU with Gary Patterson. They've been hearing like oh, he's leaving, he's leaving this year. They hear it every year, and he's hasn't left ever, and he's got a statue. Well, I think that, now, I'm not saying I'm not that's saying a little different though, because yeah, before they well, made he came the Big from a 12, small school, he built them in, from nothing basically. Well, right, and and you know he took a team was with them for you know over ten years, right. and then got them to a major conference like right that kind of level of accomplishment for the program in general. He can pretty much do whatever he wants down there. He's not sure. going to find that anywhere else yeah. it goes. So. It's a different situation. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, it's the same kind of thing where you're hearing that every single year. Right. And you're, just yeah. everything that I've heard and just my feeling, my gut feeling is that he, am I, I, do I think that Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell will be here until he retires? He's going he's gonna to pull a Bill Snyder or he's going to pull a Joe Paterno. He's going to be here until he's 85. Probably no, not. I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to complain if he is, but I don't think that will be because I think it just at some point he's going to want. He's the kind of guy that wants a challenge. He wants to. He wants to build something. He likes to build. He's a builder. He's right. not a. He's not a guy that wants to step in behind a legend and take over a blue collar program and just hope to continue enough success that the fans don't feel inclined to leave a pile of burning dog shit on his porch because he didn't win a national title. Right. There's you know, there's going to be a program somewhere that it's down enough that he can come in and build something at a high profile program at right. some point so, down the road. At some point. Whether so that's, my, whether my that's five is, years from now or 15 yeah, years from yeah. now, you don't really know. Right. And, you know, and, and it, as it, as it stands right now, I would be shocked to hear if he even had an interview with anybody other than Ohio State or maybe Notre Dame, I could see maybe if if Notre Dame were, I mean Notre Dame's not coming open forever because Brian Kelly's doing a good job there. They like him there. Right. That's not coming, and Brian Kelly's only like fifty five years old. He's one of the youngest coaches in that area. He's like he's really young. I mean, Urban Meyer's only fifty four years old. If he can continue, if he's healthy enough to continue to coach, and Ohio State can, and he is still successful in Ohio, and they can repair that relationship. 
Urban Meyer has a chance he could be there another 20 years if he really wanted to. Right. Now, that situation is interesting. If, if Ohio State were to open up this fall, we'd be sweating a little bit, I think, just because yeah. it's Ohio State. He's from there. My guess is, I mean, you'll never probably hear it out of his mouth, but it wouldn't surprise me if growing up he was an Ohio State fan. Yeah. Well, and just because he's from Akron. I, and, I think that's. Canton. I think that's a similar sort of thing to what we went through with Roy Williams, where, you know, the, right. the the one place that you're from is like the only place that you'll listen to when you have a really good job. Right. So like if, if USC came open or if, um, if God, LSU came open, I'm not sure that I don't like, I don't think he would care that much about those jobs. I one, I think he's, he's in the Midwest. He likes being in the Midwest. He knows the Midwest. He knows how to recruit the Midwest. So right. he's interested. He wants to stay in the Midwest you know, he, he talked about wanting to turn Iowa State into the Big 12 option for the Midwest, essentially. So that way, you know, it's not just if you live in the Midwest, you're probably and you're and you're worth a damn at football. You go to the Big Ten. He wants to eliminate that. He wants Iowa. He said he wanted to make ooh, excuse me, the Iowa State the Big 12 option for the Midwest. Yeah. So he's comfortable doing that. And that's this is where he's comfortable living. He likes Ames, all that. Like and the the glitz and glamour and is is fine and all but that's not really matt campbell's deal he doesn't really care about the money he doesn't care about the fame part of it he just wants to win and he wants to build and he wants to have a have an effect on young men going forward and turning turning him into successful people um man now i'm all depressed because I, I i want that for us <laughs> yeah, and who knows and when it'll know, eventually happen but you know it, yeah it's, never it's, know it's it's one of those things you know, Iowa State and TCU are the two schools that I kind of feel in terms of, uh, and 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 Colorado was this way for a little while while they were in the Big Twelve. Like I felt them to be kind of kindred spirit fan bases, the ones that don't get all of the the hype and everything, just good good fans who really really care for their team and don't get mm-hmm. nearly enough good stuff coming their way. So right, you know, after, so, after Kansas upset TCU last week, I I actually went over to the TCU yeah. SB Nation site was talking about. You know, it's like. You know, as much as I want someone else to be the laughing stock of the Big 12 conference, I really don't want it to be them. I would rather it be somebody else who kind of deserves oh, a little bit more. When we, so. we played at when we we played at TCU, I actually flew down to Fort Worth and went to the game down there, and we tailgated with Frogs of War and stuff like that. And they were like everybody's down there is good people. It's, oh yeah, they're great people down there. You know, I know, I, I like, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just because it's Texas Tech, but all the Texas Tech guys like to rag on te- on TCU, and I was like, dude, t- go down there and like talk to them. TCU people are, are like. They're really cool. They're really good people. Right. Like I could understand and, them wanting to rag on Baylor. I mean, <laughs> what well, everybody wants to rag on Baylor. Exactly. Baylor, so. It's 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 a little too easy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So so let's go ahead and turn attention to the game now. At at this point, um, <laughs> obviously, you know, this actually probably is the the battle of the premier defenses in the Big Twelve. As as laughable as that may seem on on first glance, just with how many yards Kansas has given up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Really, it's, you know, they've given up a ton of yards because they have a tendency to get beat at least once or twice a game on really long touchdown passes. Yeah. But other than that, they've been really, really good. They, you know, they lead the nation in in turnovers at this point. Um, yeah. And Iowa State has kind of been the consensus best defense in the Big 12 coming into the year. So are you expecting this to be a very defensive game with the way that these two defenses have been playing? You know, that's, that's an interesting question because – 
the thing that part of what makes Kansas so great on defense this year is because they are forcing so many turnovers. The the yards per play is a little bit concerning for me. If I like, if I'm a Kansas fan, the amount of yard and the yards per play is is concerning. Obviously, they're not. It's not always manifesting into points because they are able to do take, get takeaways and things like that, which is obviously a huge part. It takes a lot. You know, takeaways aren't necessarily as fluky as some people make them sound. Right. Um. So, but but they are hard to replicate on a week by week basis unless you are extraordinarily good at it. Um. So just because of the fact that Kansas has a tendency to give up a lot of yards, especially on the ground, um, if, 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 with with as good as Dave Montgomery is, and with as as, many, as the strides that the offensive line has made, um, you know, I, I think that bodes well for us because Dave Montgomery doesn't ever fumble. He, I think he's got like one career fumble, and that was in the Liberty Bowl last year, and that should have been it shouldn't have been a fumble. It should have been overturned. Um, he doesn't ever fumble, and if you can get him space, you get the offensive line, you get a uh, second level box down field where you got offensive linemen actually pushing linebackers out of the way. And if you can get Dave Montgomery into, into open space against defensive backs, that's a uh, makes for happy fun times for a lot of Cyclone fans. Uh, Cause Dave Montgomery is virtually impossible to tackle one-on-one unless you're a defensive lineman. Yeah. Or an I mean, extremely talented linebacker. So for, <laughs> It's 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 tough because that's that's a when you're running like that that's a that's a, you're you're burning lots of clocks so you're not going to see lots of points necessarily I don't think I, I think it can be low scoring but I don't know if it'll feel like a defensive game because uh, because Kansas does give up lots of yards they do get turnovers which is part of what worries me a little bit about about facing about or more than a little bit I should say it worries me about facing a team that's as good at forcing turnovers because we are trotting out an 18 year old uh, quarterback and as good as he's been, he's still a freshman. He's going to make freshman mistakes. He has made freshman mistakes and he will probably continue to make freshman mistakes. Um, if he can limit, I think the, the key for Iowa state on offense is, is, is limiting the turnovers from Brock. If they are able to establish a ground game with David, keep pounding the rock and get, and, and get Brock some easy throws. I think Iowa state has a chance to put up a decent chunk of yardage. Um, and then if they're scoring quickly, then you could see more points. The, the reason I'm not – I'm not, I'm not going to say it's going to be an offensive game. I think it's going to be kind of in between. I know I'm kind of wishy-washy. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm basically folding on this and saying it's going to be somewhere in the middle. But I, I generally do believe it will be somewhere in the middle. I don't think it will be a defensive slobber fest like it kind of was with us against Texas Tech last week. Even though the, the score didn't necessarily reflect it, that was absolutely a defensive showdown. Right, or the game uh, with, against, with TCU. Was like really yes, or the game with well, TC so. where it's a very, very, yeah. de- very defensive game. I don't think it'll be quite to the same degree as those. Um, so, but just because I think I think both teams will be able to get yardage. Because um, Puka Williams is a very good running back, he'll probably get he'll probably get his yardage. I think I don't. I think obviously does a very good job of bottling up the run. They're they're leading the Big Twelve in rushing defense at this point. With uh, they're only giving up ninety nine or just shy of ninety nine yards a game which is, I think it's 30, 34 yards a game better than second place. Yeah, I will say, though, I don't think they've, they've played against a player that's as explosive as Puka Williams is. Um, I mean, uh, well, I, mean I, I think, it, I think that Trey there's Sermon a lot of guys. Hill, I, w- I, I would say Trey Sermon and Justice Hill would both I, I, be up there. I, I think that they're very good players, and they're very good in between the tackle runners. I don't think they're yes. ne- necessarily, necessarily nearly as explosive as Puka, though, especially when you get them out that's in the fair. flat. So I'm like, yeah, they're probably, like, they're probably I mean, not as quick and, and as straight right. and as fast. As so, well. I mean, like, I, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I, I can definitely say, you know, Puka's not like far and away the best running back in the Big 12 or anything like sure. that. I mean, 
I, I would say though, of, of any of the running backs, he is he has the greatest likelihood to be able to just break off an eighty yard run at any moment. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and, assuming yep. that there's eighty yards, he could actually run. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but right, like he he is the most likely player I think in the Big Twelve to break off a large run and completely flip the field all on his own at any time. And so I think that's what the game really comes down to me. Like, I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be times where it's going to look like an offensive shootout. There's going to be times where it's going to look like it's been a defensive struggle. And so you're going to end up somewhere in the middle just with the score. Right. Like, I think we're going to be in, in the 20s mm-hmm. for both teams because there are going to be times where each team is going to, you know, flex their muscle on defense. There's going to be times, mm-hmm. though, that Puka's going to break a couple big plays. You know, you're going to have a couple big plays on the Iowa State side just because Kansas defense, if, if anything else, is just going to let themselves get burned deep a couple times. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have those huge plays. They're going to lead to long mm-hmm. touchdown runs. You know, what, what I don't know is, you know, is it going to be a very defensive first half or, you know, and so like yeah. we have like a 14, 10 or even like a 10, seven halftime score. And then they break out in the second half, or are we going to have a bunch of fireworks in the middle or in the beginning of the game? And, or maybe, you know, maybe even Iowa state goes up like 24, seven or something at the half. And then Kansas is able to get back into it when Puka, you know, turns up turns up the heat there and gives them a few big plays, and the Kansas defense makes a few big stands. Yeah. That being said, like, I mean, I, I think we both can agree that the likelihood that Kansas actually pulls off the upset here probably isn't very high. It's going to take multiple turnovers from Kansas and Iowa State really never getting into a really good rhythm for that yeah. to happen. So I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. I think I think the the odds are that it'll actually probably be a fairly fast start. It could be could be a fast start for both teams because just because of the fact that by the time the middle of the second quarter rolls around, that's when cyclone defense really starts clamping down and making it it makes it you know it, that's where like it becomes very it becomes suffocating. Like when you're talking about West Virginia and talking about the Texas Tech game, we actually predicted in the live tailgate show before the Texas Tech game said. They're probably going to jump out to a 10 or 14 nothing lead right off the bat because Iowa State's coming off a bye week. And then by the time second quarter rolls around, then you're going to start seeing them clamping up. And then in the second half, Alan Bowman will probably not have a very fun time playing football. And right. that almost exactly happened because they yeah. started out with a 10-0 lead. By the second quarter, they really clamped down. And outside of an extremely impressive catch by Antoine Wesley, where he just straight up mossed a guy, which there's nothing you can do. It was actually really well covered. Can't really do anything else about that. Ellen Bowman had a very bad time playing football in the second half. Yeah. Because um, John Kaycock is a wizard at halftime adjustments. And like I said, about second quarter is when it starts really clamping down. Um, but early in the first quarter, that's when they're going to probably be the most vulnerable. Um, so I, I think there's a good chance that there's a fast start for both teams. Maybe, maybe at the end of the first quarter, it looks like a 14-7 Iowa State type of thing. Or maybe it's tied at 14. Oh, scary. Excuse me. That's my beer burp. Awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it looks something like that. And then by the time you get into the second quarter, it's getting hard for even both teams to get yards as they start to adjust to each other. Um, yeah, I'm wondering. I think, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slower second half, I think. And then you'll see maybe a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how well that's actually going to work out. Because I know that Kansas tends to get started really, really slowly on offense. It takes a while for them to kind of feel mm-hmm. out the other team's defense. And so – um, yep. you know, if, if that's the way it, was, it usually yeah. goes, then Kansas may be in trouble. They may not score as well. Yeah, that's, that's, down, that's, so. that's, I think is if they can, if they can get started fast, they have a chance to get some points. Like, uh, last year against, against West Virginia in 2017, we played at West Virginia, West Virginia won the game. They scored a couple quick touchdowns. They were up like 21, nothing or 21, seven. 
early in the second quarter, and they didn't score the rest of the game. They had scored enough. Iowa State's offense couldn't really move the ball. They had scored enough right away. But as soon as, you know, the beginning of the second quarter rolled around, West Virginia couldn't move the ball. They just, right. they just couldn't, they couldn't do it. Um, so that's, that's, I think that, that has to be Kansas' game plan. I think if they're going to pull off the upset, I think that's got to be the, that's got to be what they got to do is they got to get their points early right away because second quarter, middle second quarter rolls around. It's going to be very, it's going to be a lot more difficult to start scoring points. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Kansas has, has enough problems scoring points on their own anyway. Um, yeah. I don't think they really need to, to spot <laughs> Iowa State any, any kind of advantages there. So, yep. so, so really, okay. So, so just, I, I just want to get a few predictions from you. First of all, what do you think is going to be the biggest or the most entertaining matchup from this game? Mm, most entertaining matchup. Um, for, most entertaining for me or most entertaining for you? So I, I think just like <laughs> try to yeah. try to yeah, go so from like a neutral yeah. observer. So someone who's who's, I, I, okay. who's forced to watch the game, where are they going to find the most enjoyment of watching this game if they don't have a rooting interest for either team? Yes. So I guess a good a good spot to be watching would be watching Joe Deneen as he is tracking David Montgomery. Because Dave Montgomery is probably at this point becoming less and less arguably the best back in the Big Twelve as an overall as an overall back, um, you know, not quite as fast as Puka, but he's right, right. impossible to bring down. Basically, is insane, and that stiff arm can kill a bear. But <laughs> seeing that Joe Deneen's a very very talented linebacker, I'll be curious to see what that what an individual matchup that looks like. Um, where you got those two guys, two extreme, all you two all Big Twelve, you'll probably first team all Big Twelve players facing off against each other, and they basically in a direct matchup. So that'd be that'll be one. I think that's worth watching because Joe Danino will probably be playing on Sundays uh, sooner rather than later, and Dave Montgomery will be in the same boat. Yeah. All right. Well, this, so then, who do you think wins the turnover battle? That's a tricky one because Iowa State is generally pretty good at taking care of the ball and they're okay at forcing turnovers. The defense doesn't rely on turnovers. They don't, they don't like re- rely on fumble recoveries and interceptions and things like that to, to, to slow teams down. Um, so they don't produce a lot of turnovers, but they don't turn it over very much. So I think we're plus two on the season. That's mainly because we don't, we, you know, turnovers don't happen that often in our games, even for either right. team. But then you got Kansas, who's the exact opposite of that, where they, they don't turn it over a ton, but they turn, but they get people to turn it over a lot. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if both teams are sitting at like a, if like they have like, there's like two, two, two turnovers a piece, something like that. Uh, as far as winning the turnover battle, it's kind of hard to say because it actually, I'll probably give it to KU because it wouldn't surprise me at all if I was say fucking botched a fucking snap on a field goal because their special <laughs> teams has been hot garbage the last couple weeks. Kansas has done that already. So <laughs> <laughs> honestly, cause it. We've had, oh in two consecutive games, we had a field, blocked field goal return for a touchdown and a blocked punt return for a touchdown. So it's probably oh something stupid like that. So I'll give Kansas the the two to one turnover. Yeah, advantage I, I, I will say is trash. There's no way you guys could have done anything worse than letting Rutgers block a kick and run it back for a touchdown. <laughs> and I believe was their only touchdown of the game, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah. We, we have the, I mean, we, we don't turn it over often, but when we do, it's downright it's catastrophic. Horrible. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, I do have to agree. I do think that Kansas is going to win the turnover battle. It may be, uh, you know, two to nothing or two to one. You know, but the, the, I will say, I will say though that the last few weeks, especially since Oklahoma State, uh, you know, pri- actually prior to the West Virginia game, Braxton Lewis had had an interception in three straight games and then he had a sack in, against West Virginia. And then, 
last then we we picked off Alan Bowman three times last week. So they they they've started ball hawking more in the recent. I mean, it, it, since the Oklahoma State starting in the Oklahoma State game basically because it was it was the was it Oklahoma State and West Virginia they have they put seven sacks up as a team in both games. They only sacked Tech twice last week, but that's because Tech's offense is kind of built around not giving up sacks. And with yeah. all, the, all the little dink and duck screens and all that, it's really hard to get a lot of pressure on that quarterback because it's out of his hands so quick. Right. But in the absence of sacks, all of a sudden he's throwing three picks. So it's it's hard to predict because all of a sudden we're used to Iowa State you know, basically just dropping eight, dropping seven or dropping eight in coverage and just forcing lots and lots of incomplete passes. Uh, but now the last few games, they're all of a sudden they're blitzing and they're intercepting passes. They're getting aggressive. And which is, it's, it's odd because up to this point, John Haycock has not been a blitzing guy. He doesn't blitz. And all of a sudden now we're blitzing. So I don't, we're not sure how to process this. Yeah. So I do have a quick question for you though. Uh, the, the interceptions you guys have gotten for the most part, they, 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 Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most of those have been on like deep passes that you guys have gotten in good position for. Does that sound um, about right? A couple, a, a couple of most of like Braxton Lewis history, those three were all on deep passes, things like that. DeAndre yeah, James, okay. will agree, are on a deep pass. Uh, last week they were all actually on like either I think Marcel Spears's pick six was on kind of a was on like a like a six yard slant, and then he picked off another one that was on an in route, and then Greg Eisworth picked off a drag. So those, those were all closer to line of scrimmage. Those were all okay. within okay. five to 15 yards. All three of those last week were, but that's just because Texas Tech, that's where, that's where they throw. Right, right. Um, yeah, I was just wondering, cause like, I've noticed that most of Candace's turnovers have come in those sort of situations, or right. even like when you get down on the goal line where there's not a lot of room, they're just able to right. clog so many guys into lanes and disguise right. coverages off, honestly, often enough. When you're throwing deep the nice, passes, they're not really yeah. covering that very well. And so there's not a lot the of nice, opportunities for it. Yeah. Them. And the nice thing about Iowa State, when you get, especially on deep passes and in the red zone, is you got huge targets. You got Hakeem Butler, you got he's six six, plays like he's six ten. Matt Eaton is six four. You got six seven Charlie Kohler, who's a tight end. He's like I think he's six seven two seventy five. He's a big boy, and he's got he's got he's got four he's got four catches on the season. Three of them are touchdowns. And uh, yeah, you got that. You got six Hakeem Butler, but then you got Tariq Milton. Deshante Jones are very fast. If they want to throw. Reds on Hakeem Butler. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure you've seen at least a couple of his highlights this year. He's a as a deep threat. I'm not sure there is a better one in the Big 12 right now. As it just as a combination of making difficult catches and then running after the catch. I'm not sure there's a better deep threat in the Big 12 right now. And between, you know, you pile up with that. Tariq Milton is extraordinarily fast. He's a good deep threat, even as only he's only six foot or six one or something like that. But he's you know, he's very very fast. He's a good deep threat, even as a smaller guy. Uh, but then when you get down in the red zone, like you're saying, when you can really clog up passing lanes, that's where it's really nice to have a guy like Dave Montgomery that you don't have to get a lot of blocking for him because he can just truck through most linebackers and pretty much all defensive backs. Yeah, I don't think he's met a guy like uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe, Joe Deneen, though. Who? Yeah, he's a yeah, Joe Deneen's a badass. I'll be curious. Joe that's Deneen... why, like, I, I'm, I'm curious to see like if those two guys meet one on one in open space. I want to see like what happens. Well, give me one of those things where they like they just like. They're just like they meet and then just go straight out of bounds because neither of them can get push. Right. Like they're both going to fall like backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, the thing though is, you know, I, I do think that David Montgomery is going to have a little bit of a harder time in this game than he normally does just because not only do they have Joe Deneen, who seems to be everywhere on the field, but they've got two really hard hitting safeties in Bryce Tornaden and Mike Lee who are really good against the run. 
Um, yeah. you know, have make huge hits and they've turned a lot of really big stocky guys away when it didn't look like they were going to Mike, Mike Lee. It seems like every single game he has a hit that is so vicious that you're just like, wait a minute, how is the other guy still standing? So I'm, I'm expecting that's, this. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see how that happens because Dave Montgomery is a, is a guy that, that Kansas hasn't played yet where it's just like, he just doesn't, his, his center of gravity is so low. Right. It's, 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 you, it's really hard to big hit him. It's hard to, well, one, it's hard because he's, he's elusive. So it's hard to get a clean hit on him. And then he's got that stiff arm. He's really, really, really powerful guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm extraordinarily excited to see what that what that looks like when you have the hard sitting safeties come up and and Joel Dineen coming up and obviously a very good open field tackler. That's a, that's gonna that's that's gonna be a really fun to watch. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and, and honestly, I think that's gonna be like the the key matchup to the game because yeah. really yeah, what's yeah, gonna if, come down to David's is getting, if Dave's getting stopped at the other line of scrimmage by Joel and them, it's gonna be tough to run the ball and they'll have to they'll have to figure out something. They'll use RPOs with Brock or something like that. Um, but if, it, if David is able to start breaking tackles and things like that, like he does to a lot of other people, um, it'll be a different ball game. Yeah. All right. So I guess the the last question for you before we get out of here is it's kind of the obvious one. How do you predict the game's going to go? So uh, I, I think I, I think a quick start is somewhat likely where, where I think I think Iowa State will probably jump out to a twenty one ten type of lead. Uh, maybe that's what the halftime score looks like. And I think, I think that's where you see the cyclone defense really clamp down. Um, and then obviously we'll kind of start using more running stuff. They'll start, they'll start chewing clock. Um, like they did against West Virginia, like they did against Texas Tech. Excuse me, man. I just burp. This beer is just giving me all sorts of burps. <laughs> Anyways. So, um, second half, I think is pretty low scoring. Maybe you get a touchdown from each team, something along those lines. I'm, if you're looking for a score prediction, I think you're probably looking. I think it's somewhere in like the 31-17 type of range. I think it's. I think Iowa State's a 14-point favorite right now. I think that's right on the line where I think they'll be. Yeah. So I mean, I I would have to agree to some extent. Like normally, I would say that Kansas can probably keep it within the line, especially since Iowa State yeah. offense, you know, isn't isn't as strong necessarily as some of the other offenses they've already faced. Sure. But yeah. Iowa State's also gotten better. On offense, well, and, and the thing too is they're they're more so of a traditional good. type of offense. They're they're they actually resemble a, a they're like a hybrid of a Big Twelve and a Big Ten offense. Right. Obviously, Matt Campbell comes from a big from the Big Ten area. He has that kind of background. Um, so right. they run a, a hybrid of it like that where they're they'll they'll run a lot of spread concepts, but in the end, they're still a a run first power power physical football team that they're trying to they play like a Big Ten team, but they look like a Big Twelve team if that makes sense. Right. So they're they're perfectly happy with running the ball. You know, David Montgomery got 33 carries last week. You know, they're perfectly happy with running the ball and chewing clock and just and just getting you know three, four, five yards on every play and just getting first downs and marching down the field, as opposed to like a kind of a you know, the quote unquote traditional Big 12 offense where they're trying to score in 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I, I do think that Iowa State wins. I do think that Kansas can make it a lot closer than people are expecting. Yep, no but doubt. I, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you know. Kansas offense completely falls apart against a really good defense. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a complete blowout. Not because the defense that Kansas puts forward is is bad at all, just that right. know, Iowa State yep. gets so many opportunities that they're bound to score at some point. So. Well, and the thing, too, is like, like last game, like against Texas Tech, they had 37 minutes of possession. So they beat Texas Tech by 10 possession by 14 minutes, which is a lot. And that's insane. That's a lot. That's a lot of time of possession, and especially for just to just have a defense on the field all the time. The nice thing about the nice part about the Iowa State defense is that they can resist that kind of thing because they play 
they basically played 23 guys deep. I think it was, I think it was against West Virginia. I think they had 24 guys, 24 different guys make a tackle. Uh, that's which crazy. It's a lot. That's a lot of people. And they had seven different sacks by se- seven sacks by seven different people. Oh so they're God. they're basically running. They're they're running their entire two deep out anytime. Now I would say as Brian Peavy and DeAndre Payne, who's probably the best cornerback duo in the Big Twelve, and there's times where neither of them are on the field because they have the depth where they don't they don't right. get tired. So that's that's a huge advantage that I would say has this year that they didn't necessarily have last year. So they can get into these time of possession battles where if they don't win it, it's not a huge deal. And that's why since Iowa State plays kind of like a Big Ten team where they're perfectly capable, they're perfectly happy with just running it down and winning a 7 nothing game, basically. I think it, it, there's a chance it could be lower scoring. It could look like a 17-7 or 17-10 type of game. Right. And it's going to look closer than it maybe it is. Um, but then, like you said, there's also a chance that one of the teams, the other team, has a ton of success doing whatever it wants to do, basically, and there's a blowout. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Puka could go absolutely insane because yeah, he's he a could. lot faster than you guys are prepared for, but he also could get one big run that gets a touchdown, and then the, the Kansas offense is shut down for literally the rest of the game. So, yeah, and that's and that's kind of what they did with, like, Texas Tech, because Texas Tech has Tajon Henry, who's a very he's small. He's very, very fast. Um, they've done, he's like, and he was like, I think he's leading the Big 12 in rushing, or he's very, very close to you. I mean, Puka might be. I'm not sure. Um, but I think, I think Tijon Puka Henry, is on a, on a per game basis. I believe. Yeah. And I think, and I think, and Tijon Henry has, I think he's, I mean, he might be leading the league in touchdowns, but he's very, very fast, small, kind of like, kind of a Puka like, like guy. Um, but then like, but then last week they, it depends on what the running schemes look like too, because Texas Tech's running schemes, a lot of the, that's like inside zone type of stuff. And right. we bought all, they, I think they had, they had 24 carries as, a, as the whole team had 24 carries and they had 30 yards. So it, it's it's really scheme dependent. Um, if Kansas's best chance of getting a running game going is definitely getting Puka to the outside, trying to get him to the edge to start making uh, the safeties and the corners come up to meet him at the line of scrimmage. Instead of if if they start running between the tackles at Ray Lima at Jaquan Bailey, it's probably not going to go super well because both of those guys are very 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 good. However, if Kansas can get him on the edge, he does have a, a chance where he can break those off. That's where he can be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in terms of running backs who have, who have at least 70 rushes, um, or we, we can even go lower that, but like, I'm not counting Kennedy Brooks from, from Oklahoma who only has 48 right. on the year. Right. Puka is leading in yards per attempt. Um, he okay. also, he also has played less games though. So he doesn't have, right. you know, as many opportunities. Um, Alex Barnes from K State is actually the leading rusher. Uh, oh, okay. That makes so sense. You were saying okay, they can't throw a forward pass. Pretty much, yeah. So yeah. the the Texas Tech player you said was who again? To John Henry. To John Henry, I, I, yeah. So he's he's tied for thirteenth with three hundred and forty six yeah. yards. Yeah, I think he. Um, oh, okay. So he doesn't have a ton of yards. He has, he has a he bunch has, of touchdowns. I he think, has eight he? touchdowns, which is one yeah, behind got, Alex Barnes. So he's got a bunch of touchdowns. He, I think, he only had like I think he had eight yards against us last week. Now, granted, that was part of it because Texas had kind of had to abandon the run game later because they just couldn't move the ball with the run, so they had to pass it. I think I think Bowman threw 56 passes, right? Like that, which is funny because coming into the game, like, oh, we're a running team, we like running the ball, and then you know, then the quarterback throws 56 passes. It's like, man, you're still Texas Tech. Let's, yeah, pretty let's much. Not, let's not. <laughs> let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not you know, mess this up here. You guys are a passing team. All right. So let's, let's go ahead. Actually, um, it's about time to get out of here for the night, but I wanted to ask you 
because we are Kansas and obviously Kansas kind of revolves around basketball. How, yeah, how, how excited are you for the start of basketball season this year? I, honestly, pretty excited actually. I would say it's got a lot of really good, they're young. Uh, the, I, Linda Wigginton's coming back as a sophomore. He looks really, really good. Cam Lard, when he, when he kind of gets back and gets back into the swing of things, he, he missed a lot of the summer because he was at a wellness center in Connecticut, kind of mm. dealing with some personal stuff. Uh, but once he gets back into it, he's a, I mean, the dude's a walking double double. Very good. Linda Wigginton is the leading, leading, uh, returning scorer in the Big 12, 16 points a game, over 40% from three. Um, has a chance he could be the big, I think he's got a very good chance of being a Big 12 player of the year type of guy, along with, uh, a few other guys, because I mean, generally speaking, that goes to the leading scorer in the conference, largely, unless yeah, it, there's like it, a, a different guy. It either goes to the leading scorer or the best player on the best team, like one of those two, typically. Right? Yeah, so. it's the leading scorer, the best guy on Kansas. So. Now, well, yeah, or, pretty much. So, so, uh, so, or, has, or has the, good the, good the best player on the most surprising team as well. There, like, yeah, there you go. Like, so, I, I think a guy like, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I completely just. Uh, uh, Trey Young, well, I can't believe yes, I blanked yeah, on his name. Yeah. He had an opportunity yeah. to win it if Oklahoma wasn't as bad down the stretch right. as yeah. they were. So, so you know, between all that, they got they got those two guys coming back. They got Mariel Shayok coming. He's a transfer from Virginia. Uh, very good on-ball defender because, you know, coming out of that system, he's a good defender. But he's also been a very good – he's also improved his three-point shooting a lot. Supposedly, we had, we had a scrimmage with Nebraska last week that they beat him by 12 points. Nebraska's supposed to be kind of at the top of the Big Ten. They're expecting the, to be to be right up there with, like, Purdue and Michigan State and all these – um, beat them by 12 in, the, in a scrimmage last week. It's scrimmage, so you know how much weight can you put on it. But right. uh, Meryl Shayak had like 28 points in the scrimmage from what we're hearing. Uh, and I would say made like 8 of 14 from 3 in the first half. Uh, things like that. So the shooting's gotten a lot better. They got some good young guys. They got Taylor Horton Tucker. He's a 6'7 guy out of, um, out of Chicago. He's basically – his game looks a lot like George Niang, um, but he's got the body. He's like a taller version of Deontay Burton. But his but his game looks a lot like George Niang. He's a very good player. He's I think he was like the number twenty something overall player in the country. He's very good. He'll be he'll probably come off the bench to start the season. By the time Big Twelve play rolls around, it would not shock me at all to see him make it in the starting lineup. Uh, a couple other really good freshmen in there. You got Michael Jacobson. He's a transfer from Nebraska. Uh, he's a, he'll play the five for Iowa State. He's kind of a he's a he's a, he's, a, he's a rebounding specialist, but he can also step out and hit the three. Um, there's a lot of good shooting around there. There's a lot of potential. It'll all depend on how quickly it can come together. Fortunately, Iowa State's got a very soft non-conference schedule, with the exception of Arizona. They play Arizona at the Maui Invitational, and they'll play um, Mizzou early in the season, who should be okay. Um, oh, and then they'll play. They'll, they'll be okay. They lost Porter, so they're going to be a little less okay than they would have been before. But yeah, I mean, they'll they'll. Be, well, it's not like he played last year. They'll be somewhat decent. Yeah, but he, he he was expected to be a big part of their lineup for this year. So that's true. So I mean, yeah, he was. So they'll, they'll be okay. Yeah. They'll be they'll be they'll be a quality. Ooh, excuse me, a quality-ish opponent um, to start off with. Then you'll have Arizona, who should be at least okay. It should be pretty. You know, they'll they'll be decent. Uh, I don't know. We play Iowa. Who knows if they're any good? They probably won't be, but who knows? And then. You play that, but otherwise you got a really soft non-conference schedule. So you get a lot of good opportunities to build up that chemistry before you get in, right? Um, before you get into conference play. And then I don't know what sort of dumbass scheduled the big like that made the Big Twelve schedule, but they put Kansas at Iowa State over Christmas break when the students yeah, aren't we're there. We're liking that. Yeah, but that's <laughs> stupid. Everybody <laughs> knows that like when Iowa State plays Kansas during the regular season, like those two games are probably the biggest games of the Big Twelve season. Yeah, well, at least are. the one, at least the one up in Ames. I mean, 
I would yeah. say that like Kansas, West Virginia are usually pretty good games. Like there's a, a quite yeah. a few other good, well, really it, good ones, but yeah, the one no, up really in good games. Ames, I'm talking about just like just the, the general fire around the game. When Kansas comes, comes up to Ames, it's a big deal. When we go down there, it's a big deal. Yeah, you know, it's that's that's a that's a I I'll even call it a rivalry. It's it's a rivalry at this point. Yeah, it's it's and, definitely the closest thing we have to a rivalry on on the sure. basketball court. So absolutely, absolutely, and you know, so it's. Because I think I think both programs have a lot of mutual respect for each other, and there's just a lot of there's a lot of good. And there's been really good games, stuff like that. Um, yep. So uh, the fact that you would put that game Kansas at Iowa State over Christmas break when the students aren't there is just dumb. I don't know why you would do that. I mean, I'm think, like, loving it, but yeah, I can well, understand sure why you'd be you upset. Are, so but it's hot garbage. We want the students there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, leave it there for the night. So, Levi, where 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 can people find you online? Um, actually, I deleted my personal Twitter. It's been pretty liberating. I'm pretty happy with my decision, actually. Okay. But well, I do I, I do run the Wide Right Twitter largely. Um, so you can just follow us. It's at Wide Right Natty Light. Uh, it's Wide R T Natty L T. Um, but if you search Wide Right and Natty Light, you'll I guarantee you will find us. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so you got there, and then you can obviously go to wideright98light.com. Any other projects you want us to, to be aware of that people can catch you on? Um, really, the main thing is if you guys are you guys have a bye week, or uh, as far as me personally, not really no. Um, but we have a we have a cool uh, live tailgate show. It's kind of our audio only version of game day, basically. Uh, we go, we hang out in the tailgate lots, and we drink and bring random drunk fans on to, to pick games and answer trivia and stuff like <laughs> that. Like fun. It's a good time. It is. We always post a link. Um, we post a link, like it's, we start usually like three hours before gig, before kickoff. So if you guys are interested in anything like that, we, uh, we do all sorts of good stuff like that. That's a lot of fun. Sounds like fun. All right. Well, once again, thanks. Thanks Levi for joining me and, and good luck on Saturday, but not too much good luck. <laughs> well, we're going to, we're going to need it. They got to, they got to keep their head on straight. I know because yeah. uh, going out towards the end of the season though, there it's, if Iowa state wins out, there is a, a fairly decent shot that they'll make it into into Dallas to the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, see, whereas I'm so, kind of I'm kind of hoping for the opposite because if somehow Kansas miraculously wins out, that means we're stuck with David Beatty for another few years. So that's um, I I think I asked you that in the Q and A. Like I don't I don't know if you've gotten it back to me yet about not it. yet, but like, yeah. Do Kansas fans want Beatty back? No, absolutely not. But no. I can definitely. So, are you like, like tanking for a new coach? Right uh, now, I mean, I mean, I think maybe they could get one or two more wins, and we would still not have to worry too much about it. Like if. If we won That's against fair. Iowa State and won against Kansas State and then just got completely slaughtered by Oklahoma and Texas, I still think we would move on. But if we win, you know, this game somehow and then, you know, beat Kansas State pretty handily and then are competitive against Oklahoma and Texas, like there could be a case made to keep Beatty and I think that would be the wrong move. So uh, there you go. Yeah, I, I, times down I'm there a little long. worried. Like I'm a little but worried hey, that they're going to have enough you guys aren't Maryland. You guys aren't Maryland. You, very, very true. But – yeah. You know, you know, actually, actually, it, it's, it's kind of funny because we've already started talking about new coaching candidates. And one of the guys that we've been looking at is the interim coach over at Maryland, um, Matt oh, Canada. Canada. Yeah, Canada. so I, I would I would be pretty happy. He seems like a decent enough guy. Yeah. He's not really I don't think you can really implicate him for anything. Right. Stuff, he, any of that this is his first year there. So it's not like right. he was like ingrained in the culture and all of that. And right. I actually made that argument over on our site. when We were talking about it. But yeah, but I, yeah. I, I, I think that'd be a good hire. I mean, he's been pretty good interim for you. All right. Well, 
before we get distracted too much, I do actually need yeah, to go yeah, ahead we're, and head up. Yeah, we've got some tangents yet. <laughs> yep. Uh, hey, that's the way it works. So, all that's right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure when people interview me for podcasts, I'm pretty sure they go about twice as long as they wanted it to. Eh, I think so, but that's all right. That's, that's all right. We'll just right. we'll just have to make sure we do it again for for basketball. Sound good? Oh, absolutely. We're gonna right. definitely do that again for basketball. All right. Appreciate it. Have a good one. And that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, kind of just to recap the weekend that we did have um, and, and preview what we have coming up. Um, you know, we had actually, we had a lot of action last week that I didn't talk about initially. The volleyball team was in action. The soccer team was in action. Uh, the soccer team played in the big 12 tournament. Uh, they actually lost their first round game against Texas in a shootout. It was a, it was actually a pretty thrilling game. I got to watch it. Um, it was definitely an interesting one to watch. Unfortunately, they weren't able to pull it out and, and move on. Uh, they got they got first in this in a a meet at TCU for swimming and diving. Uh, they got swept by Baylor. Obviously, they won the football game. Uh, let me see, women's basketball won in overtime against Fort Hayes State in an exhibition. Not necessarily a great sign for them, but hopefully, it's just kind of growing pains from the team. Um, let me see what else we had. West Virginia, uh, the the volleyball team won on a Wednesday on on Halloween. Against West Virginia, won three to nothing. So that was yesterday from when I'm recording this. And obviously, I actually, I've been recording during the Washburn exhibition game for the basketball team, uh, which they won 79 to 52. Um, there was uh, some very choice comments from, from some of the guys on Twitter while that was happening. Uh, turns out they were finally able to get, kind of put everything away, but it wasn't as smooth as I think a lot of people wanted it to be. So, uh, but let's, so moving on to what's coming up this weekend. Um, obviously, Let's see. So Friday, uh, men's golf start the tournament out in uh, Hawaii. And then we have the football game against Iowa State. Uh, volleyball plays against Texas Tech on Saturday at 630. Uh, that, that match is on ESPN+. Plus. You can watch that. Um, friend of the podcast, Jill, Jill Dorsey Hall, will be on the call there with, uh, um, you know, great broadcast to watch if, if, if you have the opportunity. So, And then women's uh, basketball has an exhibition as well on Sunday. And then obviously the big news coming into next week, and we are going to try to have another podcast before this actually happens um, so that we can wrap up the football action over the weekend, but also preview this game. Kansas kicks off the actual basketball season with the champions classic coming up on Tuesday against Michigan state. It's a 6 PM Jayhawk time on ESPN first game of the of the champions classics. So we don't have to worry about it running really late in the evening. It'll be great to watch. Hopefully Kansas can come out being the number one team overall right now in the polls, playing against a, a, a top 10 Michigan State team. So it's going to be really exciting to watch. Hopefully we get the result that we want. So, But uh, as always, you guys can can contact us um, on Twitter at RockChalkPod, through the email, RockChalkPodcast at gmail.com. We want all your comments, questions, all that fun stuff. Uh, try to find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Rate, subscribe, give us five stars, all that fun stuff. Uh, but, you know... Uh, we really do want all your suggestions. We really do want to find ways to improve the podcast for you guys. So anything you guys can do to help us out there would be great. So, um, but we will go ahead and leave it there for the night. And once again, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chop Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.